0: Quite Unusual.
1: Privet, and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. We are your hosts that deliver the information collected from our carefully chosen sources through the interwebs into your sound receptors. I am Sasha. And I am Svetlana. And we are here to complete our series on the diet love pass incident, so... Please be sitting down now to listen to this. <laughs> I have been talking in a Russian accent for like the last I three weeks. I have to. It's con- it's constant. It's
2: I- I'll like yell at my dog and be like, "Don't do that."
1: I do the same thing. <laughs> and I started looking up Russian words. Did you? Yeah. So like, now what? I-, <laughs> I only know how to say привет, which is hello. Oh, okay. Um "spasiba," which is thank you.
2: Hmm. Da,
1: which is obviously yes. Yeah. Yet, which is obviously no. Yeah. That's all I need.
2: Vodka. Y- yeah. Vodka.
1: <laughs> what else do you need? Yeah, that's it. I don't think you need anything else. Communism. Um, can I? <laughs> can I talk about something completely unrelated to diet love for like one second? Of course. Of You'll course. just humor me on this. Of course. Okay. So we watched a movie called Greenland yesterday. Oh, I've seen that. It's gerard butler and yeah. then this is so mean the woman that plays deadpool's wife
2: yeah i don't know her name i just know her i that literally the same thought crossed my yeah, mind like
1: the brunette like yeah skin yeah yeah okay mm-hmm.
2: it's she's very pretty i don't think she's that great of an actress but
1: i she's feel pretty. the same way she's just kind of like there she's super pretty adorable mm-hmm. nose mm-hmm. she's fine acting wise yeah i also feel that way about gerard butler yeah, which he had like a moment where everyone thought he was amazing.
2: He did have a moment. Yeah, kind I never of passed, really got it. Passed by really. Like quick. his abs were great oh, for I a mean, minute in three hundred. the only thing you can look at in that
1: movie. That's what the movie was about. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was about abdominal muscles. Yeah. Well, this movie is a classic end of the world like meteor mm-hmm. movie.
2: They have to get to Greenland to survive. Oh,
1: spoilers! Because a comet's
2: going to destroy the world.
1: Right. So, spoiler city, if you haven't seen it. It's not that great. Um, <laughs> but for whatever reason, they have to get to an Air Force
2: base mm-hmm. because they've been chosen to go to Greenland. Yeah. There's like a weird lottery thing happening.
1: It's The
2: plot is not great. <laughs> this is
1: not a movie podcast, but I'm going to say the movie never needed to exist.
2: It was it was fun. It was like a fun ride, I guess. Everything that they do in that just would never happen. None
1: of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. No, it doesn't. Very Hollywood. It doesn't exactly, and it doesn't make any sense. But there's this part where this air force base is being guarded by military personnel. And there's this Mm -hmm. huge crowd of just super angry citizens trying to break in. Yeah. So they can get onto these planes to go to Greenland. Right. Again, spoilers. So sorry. (laughs) It's not that great of a movie, so it's fine. You're welcome. But I just want to say, knowing what I know now in the year of our Lord 2021 Mm -hmm. on the 9th of January, (laughs) I will say that there is no way that an angry mob of citizens would not be able to get in. Like if people can just walk
2: right into the U.S. Capitol on a fucking Wednesday morning. Right. Mm, well, well, the people in Greenland weren't wearing like bare headdresses. Oh, with like face, their faces painted, Greenland. and
1: they were all wearing
2: shirts. Yeah,
1: that's that's why they couldn't get in. And none of them had tribal tattoos. Yeah. So, you know what? That makes perfect sense now.
2: Or the American flag painted on their faces. No. That's why they didn't get in. You, oh, gosh. That's what you need. Remember that for the end of the world, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, Everyone needs their end of the world outfit. You got to pull it up. It's like,
1: <laughs> what are we wearing to the end of the world? Okay, you got to get your black. You got to get your yeah. red. You got
2: to get your white. You got to get your blue. You got to you, get your you gotta shark have
1: a, tooth.
2: Yeah, flag of some sort has to be tied around your body at some part of your body definitely
1: if it's not tight it's not right is what yeah. we're saying right now yeah um it's the motto of 2021 and then you're rolling up it's america's birthday july 4th end of the world you're getting it done independence day baby um speaking of birthdays yes. today is the 75th birthday of ludmila sloveden
2: oh who
1: remember russum yeah Slovodin? yes one of our one of main our players here yeah. well it is his Sister's seventy-fifth birthday today. So, yeah! Wow! So oh. happy birthday to <laughs> you. Ludmila to you.
2: you just gestured to me as if I could follow that up with something. <laughs> Can you sing for me right now? No, I don't sing, sing. for Ludmila Slobodin. I don't sing, not for anyone and in so- Russia.
1: <laughs> do it! Do it! Do it! I don't even know. The notes play you. That was good. We recently showed Nicole Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, it's and all she's doing is talking to Yakov Smirnov. I didn't know it
2: was a thing that everyone should know. I'm sorry for not knowing that from the first episode. The first thing she said to
1: me today when she came over was "In Soviet Russia, podcast you." And I didn't get it, but I applauded because sometimes you just you gotta appreciate the effort. You gotta. So, I'm very you proud got of to. you. Got to. So anyways, shout out to our girl, Ludmila Slobodin. Happy 75th. Three quarters of a century. 75. Wow. Baby girl, you got
2: this. We're almost there. We're almost at 75. Feels like it. Should we give a little recap for anyone who might have forgotten anything from the first part since this is the part two?
1: This is part two. A part two. How do you say two in Russian? I have no idea. All right, well, part two in Russian, pretend like I'm speaking Russian right now, and you're all just really good at understanding it. Um, This is part two of the series, so if you have not listened to part one, please pause where you are. Go back, listen to part one, rewind it. That's really good. Thanks. Be kind. Rewind. Um, (laughs) Listen to part one, or you're going to be super fucking lost and have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And you're missing out on a lot of really good info. Because in my personal opinion, that's mm-hmm. one of the best episodes we've ever done.
2: Yeah, and if you don't listen to it, then you don't know about the real reason why the group was there. The Golden Hot. The Golden Hot tub. We
1: will get to that in a moment. <laughs> so if you remember from last week, part one of our Diet Love Pass Incidents series. A group of 10 young adventurers were looking to get their Class 3 sport certification. And in order to do that, they had to hike 190 miles, which is every mile. All of the miles. Every mile in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) They had to do this over a minimum of 16 days. Half of that had to be on uninhabited regions, and Mm. six nights of this spent in a tent. Why am I going over this in such detail? Because it's absolutely insane. It is a crazy person's adventure. It absolutely is. And one of them was forced to turn back because of health reasons. So, actually, only nine carried on. They were led by Igor Dyatlov of past Incident. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. They went out on January 28th. The year was 1959. And they were set to return somewhere... A little bit before February 20th, but 20th on the latest. When they didn't turn up and when they were supposed to, people went looking for them and they found an absolutely grisly scene. Two hikers were found nearly naked under a tree. Three more were found under the snow near their desecrated campsite. And the remaining four were found in a ravine a ways away under a mysterious circumstance. As we said in the last episode, an investigation into their deaths was launched straight away. Nicole has yes. more information. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Has more information on that investigation. I do. So, without further ado, part two, that rhymed unintentional. Oh, nice. Of the Dyatlov Pass incident. Here we go. Here we go. Grab onto your butts, bitches, because we are getting into this. Nicole, please cut this part. Thank you so Hold much. Hold on to your butts.
2: Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I'm not cutting that part, but I will also start with the investigation. <laughs> All right, so, get it, girl. Where we left off, we were explaining a little bit about what was found and how each member of the group actually died. And I wanted to get a little bit deeper into the investigation and the actual search for Igor and the gang. I love referring to them as that. It's so cute. It's the best, yeah. At the insistence of family members, a rescue team was assembled. First, we just had some volunteers from the sports club and then some Mansi people and even Yuri Bilnov, who had just gotten back from his own trip up there. Um, if you'll
1: remember, Yuri Bilnov went to help, even though Russia had a extremely strict no more than four Yuris per one Igor <laughs> Law. But he was willing to risk it because yeah. his friends were missing and in danger. So,
2: well, in the search group, there was only two Yuris, so he would have made true. the third. So technically, it was still legal. Technically, it was legal. It was pushing it, but it was legal. But in Soviet Russia...
1: Just don't fuck around because it's kind of scary. You don't know where you go and you get arrested.
2: Like, let's be honest. And if you remember, they traveled with Yuri Belnov and his group for part of the way. He was the one who they sort of made their way, and they were kind of like the the traveling part of to make it to the mountain. They mm-hmm. traveled with him. Nothing was found when the original search party went up there. So then more authorities got involved. Planes were dispatched, and things started to get a bit more serious. And on February 25th, they finally discovered a trail of skis, and then on February 26th, they found part of the tent partially collapsed from the snow. And I think that the tent, for me, is a huge part of the story, and why... It's so odd and why there's just so many conspiracies around it. Um, It's the tent for me. It's the tent for me. So the big thing with the tent is that it was cut open from the inside. Now, just initially reading that bit of info, I think we both asked each other this question. And it was, well, <laughs> how do we know it was cut from the inside? Yeah. And originally the theory was that they had been attacked by some criminals or military, and that they had actually, they had cut the tent trying to get them from outside. Mm -hmm. Outside in. Outside in, yes. An investigator was having his uniform mended, and the woman who was doing so took a look at the fabric, and she said that without a doubt, that the fabric had been cut from the inside of the tent. So from her just, I guess, general analysis... They sent the tent to forensics, and forensics actually confirmed this fact. I
1: actually found a quote from the seamstress that was mending this uniform. Mm-hmm. Can I read it? Yeah. Without a doubt, the fabric had been cut from the inside. <laughs> so exactly
2: what I just said, but in a Russian accent.
1: <laughs> well, that's what she said. So it a, I don't know if that's where that's you what, got your quote. That's what she said. But confirmed. Said.
2: Confirmed. So some of the cuts didn't even make it full way the full way through. And some of the cuts were actually just sort of like horizontal slashes at the top. I do have a picture of a diagram of the tent and the slashes, so we can post that. Yeah, we'll super post it. It's sort of weird to me because there are clearly spots where they made slashes for them to get out, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's just like these little weird slashes at the top, almost as if. They were like trying to look or something oh. else. Scott, it, I have the picture here. If you look I'm at, it. At there's it. like that's a that's clever,
1: right? I just initially thought they were like panic slashes. Mm-hmm. But there
2: are these little, little tiny holes. little peak holes. I love this. what it looks like. So if they heard something outside, mm. I don't know. At the entrance of the tent was an ice axe. Dyatlov's flashlight and his jacket and his in his jacket he had a pocketbook with a picture of Xena inside how cute is that oh yeah I mean we mentioned before that everything inside the tent was pretty normal everything was orderly but the stove had not been assembled so we can assume that they didn't eat dinner right they hadn't eaten dinner yet
1: Right. Assembling the stove at this point was a huge undertaking, Mm -hmm. so they definitely didn't eat dinner. Plus, the ham was hanging up, if you remember. Right. A hung ham always means an empty belly. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows.
2: (laughs) During the investigation, they found a lot of footprints in the area, but with the amount of rescuers and searchers, they couldn't really decipher what footprints were rescuers and then what footprints were from the victims. Also, it's 1959, and these were just normal volunteers mixed in with some trained military and other police authorities. So it's not like everyone was really trained in what to do if you stumble upon a crime scene.
1: Yeah. Plus, again, it's 1959. Yeah. Crime scene investigating wasn't top tier at this point, just in general. Yeah. I'm going to say, especially in Russia. I think,
2: like, anywhere, though. Yeah, though, pretty yeah. much anywhere. <laughs> Forensics didn't exist, no. so I mean, it did, but it didn't like it how it, didn't. it exists now. It, it so didn't, really, yeah. So we can't really look at the footprints. Basically, the only thing that they could conclude from the footprints was that some of them were barefoot and some of the footprints were just in socks, which were obviously confirmed by the fact when they found the bodies and they found some with shoes and some without.
1: Right. If you want a full detail on their wardrobe, hit up the last episode because, really, I hope that you're not listening to this one out of order. Yeah,
2: that would be pretty... That would be weird, right? So remember the fire where the two Uries were found under the cedar tree? This was the only fire that they found, and it's estimated that... That fire had burned for no more than two hours. It's possible that some of the others in the group were also by this fire as well because clothing had been taken from these two uris.
1: The Yuris were wearing basically only flannel shirts, long underwear, and then one of them was wearing super sick swim shorts. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what it kind of seemed like. like right. S- Either they were all chilling by this fire, or
2: they came back to kind of right. jinx So clothes. obviously the two Yuris died first, and to try to stay alive, they took parts of their clothing, which is just pure survival instinct. Y- yeah, you have to. Yeah. There were a lot of branches taken from the cedar tree, and they actually used this to feed the fire. And they found that some of the branches had been cut off with a knife. A search team sent the following message after the investigation of this area underneath the cedar tree. And they said the volume of work done here in making this number of cuts on the tree suggests that more people were here than just these two. So maybe this is the first spot that they all kind of congregated to after the initial running away from the tent. They also found eight rubles in the area. Well, I looked
1: up, because I'm this person, I looked up the exchange rate of a ruble to a U.S. dollar, which if you guys don't know, ruble is the currency that they use in Russia. Mm -hmm. And according to 1959 rubles to 2020 USD, it is about $212. Whoa. I do not know why I looked this up, but when I was reading through your half of the script,
2: I had to know. That's... Very interesting. Two hundred. That seems like a lot. When you read eight rubles, you don't think two hundred. No, a ruble. So that's a
1: lot of money. A ruble is worth way more than one dollar. Wow, it's like point zero one three dollars or something. Hmm. So I don't. I assume right. that they have lower levels of currency as well.
2: Yeah, probably. I would think I so. Yeah, I've never but... been to Russia, so I can't really.
1: I just say, <laughs> I just said, I well, I just hang out next year at our 2022 Russian tour extravaganza <laughs> where we hike the first Diela tour we pass. go to.
2: <laughs> we're going to hike the pass and then we're going to do a live show, but only in Russia. Yeah. And only in Russian. Yeah. So we got to learn Russia. We got to brush up, bitch. Well, anyways, the branches were also found broken higher up, suggesting that somebody climbed the tree, either for a better view, to possibly hide from something, or to grab more wood. We don't really know, but somebody had climbed the tree. So from the first episode, we know that Igor, Zina, and Rustam were found a little bit more clothed than the two Yuris, but... They were not fully clothed, and the investigation showed that they maybe were trying to make their way back to the original camp because they were facing the direction towards the camp.
1: Right, that's how their bodies were found. Right. And they, they were shown, like, a little bit of skin, but not a ton. Yeah,
2: not as much as the two years. Oh, no, no, no. The next four and our last group to be found by the investigators... They're the ones who made the makeshift shelter known as the Dyatlov Den, mentioned also in the first episode. The
1: Dyatlov Den sounds very cozy, very cute. Yeah. But it wasn't.
2: It wasn't. No. Well, these four are, or I guess were, the best clothed out of all of the ones who were found. And they were found a few feet away from their shelter in ravine. So they built the shelter... But they were found a few feet away in a ravine. So unlike the others, they kept going and they were fleeing from whatever they were running from. And two of them were embracing to keep warm. They were found with their bodies like hugging each other. This is
1: so inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. You know this. I have been singing the song Afternoon Delight in my head all day long and out loud. Because I'm annoying. For some reason, I cannot stop thinking, Die love, delight. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's it's like the warm embrace that's making me just mm. think absolutely awful things when we're talking about a tragic event. So I'm super sorry. But <laughs> maybe if you're super sad from thinking about dead people, you can rejoice in the die at love, love, delight. delight. Ooh, harmony. Yeah, at the end, I had
2: to just come in there, you know.
1: KGB, rockets in flight. Boo! Diet, love, delight. Ooh. Ooh! Diet, love, delight. That was... We should not <laughs> sing anymore.
2: We're so sorry. Please turn this podcast off right now, because both of us are just... We're done. I'm leaving. You should leave. I'm leaving. Get out of my house. Okay. Well, anyways... It was so bad, but it's in my soul. Whatever, it's done. We did it. it. So it's we did it. We did it. So uh, if you remember from the first episode. We talked about that these there were two people found in an embrace, but we couldn't figure out who it was. Well, I found out who it was, mm. and it was Alexander Kolvatov, who is the pipe smoker. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And he was embracing Sasha Zolotaryov, who was the older gentleman, the veteran. Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm. they were embraced breast to back oh. as if Kolvatov was protecting or trying to warm up Sasha. And they were both found in the ravine. Oh, Big Spoon, Little Spoon. Yeah. So cute. So cute and so sad. Yeah. Remember how I mentioned some of their eyes were missing Mm -hmm. and a tongue? But it's thought that maybe this was because some of them were found face down in a ravine or in a ravine. So they were found later than everyone else. And the elements... Are kind of used as an excuse for why their eyes were missing, which makes sense. It does make sense because what
1: I understand is that the ravine never stopped running. Mm -hmm. It was like always moving a little bit. Yeah, it was, they
2: were in water.
1: Right. Running, basically running 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 water. water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it would erode eventually.
2: Right. Luda was also found in the ravine and she was found clutching a rock pointed upstream. Her, actually, they have pictures of the bodies when they were found and she's like on this like clutching this rock yeah which is so strange to me yeah so her tongue and her eyes were missing her eyes 100% could have been the fact that she was face down in a ravine but the tongue remember the coagulated blood in her stomach oh, yeah. indicating that the tongue had been removed while she was alive uh, just absolutely horrific to have your tongue removed while you're alive oh, i
1: know I really, really hope that poor Layuda was unconscious yeah. during that time.
2: I hope so, but I don't oh, think that that, that think. she was. I know. That's like, uh, I'm freaking yeah. out. I'm freaking While out. Well, it's not mentioned how it was removed. All that the report states is that it was gone. So we don't know if it was ripped or if it was cut. But another thing to point out is is the censorship of the government at the time, and I guess even current-day Russia now. I don't think it's ever really changed. No, not so much. No. And I think that is kind of what lends us to speculate and create rumors, to which then lead to conspiracy theories, and it's just the lack of info that we have here, and it's completely due to the censor- censorship censorship by the government The information is just not really specific or it's just kind of missing when it really shouldn't be. So it's super hard. That's very interesting to think
1: about. Yeah. The media now is so just completely uncensored in a way. Mm -hmm. I remember when they didn't show dead bodies on TV. Yeah. And now I feel like I see a dead body every day or I read graphic articles about how people were dismembered or whatever. It sounds super gory, but I absolutely guarantee that everyone listening to this just nodded their heads exactly like I'm you're nodding, doing I right say, I'm nodding my now. head right now. <laughs> We're so desensitized yeah. in so many ways. It's true. That right now, if I read an article about how a woman's tongue was removed before she died, I wouldn't bat an eyelash. No. Nope.
2: It would just be normal in it's like the just, modern world. Right, just the thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> the lead forensic pathologist... Boris so good. You're <laughs> so, you're so good at the Russian words. Thanks. He concluded that the three that did not die of hypothermia died from massive force trauma, but really no physical signs that somebody had physically hit them with something because there was no damage to the soft tissue of their chests. So those three being Nikolai, Luda, and Sasha. Alexander was also found in this group, but he his official ruling of death was hypothermia. There's also a strong possibility that he had his neck broken, but the coroner cough censorship cough.
1: Oh, do you I'm sorry, do you have coronavirus?
2: Yeah, I do. Oh, God, well I did, but Someone, he just ruled it hypothermia. So he could have had his neck broken, but his official death was just hypothermia. Weird. Censored. Ooh. Who knows why? Censor me, Captain. He compared the internal wounds to something similar to the type of a trauma that results from the, a shockwave bomb. Mm. He also stated that Nikolai, or Kolya, as he was also called, he was the one who had his head bashed in, and he. it was ruled that he had died of his head injury instead of hypothermia.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So his injuries were not consistent with a fall, and his head was bashed in So severe and with such a force that this forensic pathologist said that it resembled someone getting hit by a car.
1: That's aggressive.
2: Since there was no damage to the soft tissue, he didn't think that he was wounded by somebody holding a rock and hitting him.
1: Well, I was looking up how bruises and like how that all blood flow and stuff works when you're dead.
2: Damage to the soft tissue, right? So.
1: So I was looking that up today and I found out that when you're dead, you obviously don't bleed. Mm -hmm. You don't bruise. Mm -hmm. So if I was dead and you stomped on my skull, I wouldn't get any bruising, but my Mm -hmm. skull would break. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know how any of this works. And obviously I'm not, you know, a scientist or forensic specialist or anything, but maybe it happened when he was dead because they were the ones in the ravine with all that snow yeah, on top of it. But they them. did
2: rule that he died of his injuries and not hypothermia. That's true. That's so true. So yeah, there is true. that. But the autopsy reports are not great. Like I said before, the doctor who did them had a sort of strange silence about all of the injuries in this group. And a lot of the things are just ignored or not explained. Like Alexander's neck, for example. All it says is deformed neck. It doesn't try to explain how. It's just there. But then they rule his death hypothermia. So so weird. Something's
1: missing. No answers.
2: Exactly. Additionally, with this group of four, the Dyatlov Den group, the searchers found a bed of branches covered in clothes and the clothes included one leg of a pair of black ski trousers, a thick brown woollen sweater, a white woollen jumper made in China, and a pair of brown trousers tied at the ankles but flared open with a tear to widen them. Oh, I don't know why, but that was the pile of clothes. Got to. They also found a spoon and a knife sheath nearby. And the knife, they believed, was the knife that was used to cut the branches off of the tree to make the fire, as mentioned previously. Right. But they couldn't find the actual knife, and they never have.
1: Well, to kind of reverse here a little bit, reverse noise. Remember, when they found these people in the ravine, it was May. So it was spring. The fall had happened. But... There was still 13 feet of snow on top of these people.
0: Yeah.
1: That was the melted version. <laughs> yeah. So there was probably, I don't know, 86 feet of snow. I'm a terrible estimator, but there was tons and tons of <laughs> snow. And if this little ravine was still running, who's yeah. to say it didn't get washed away That's or true. hidden somewhere between foot one and 46 right. of the snow. And then when it melted, exactly. it like washed down to Kazakhstan.
2: I don't know. Yeah, that's another thing is that the elements were definitely in play with these specific four people because they were found much later, so Right. Being exposed to the elements, it also leaves room for error and no answers really. Right? Absolutely. So- Near Sasha and Alexander, these were the two who were in the embrace, there was a notepad and a pencil found, but nothing was written on it. But this was only seen by one man. He was an army colonel and a part of the search crew. And this little piece of evidence was never officially entered into evidence, and the actual whereabouts about the notepad are unknown. So no one knows if it's true or if this guy just thought he saw it or made it up but a, there's a rumor that there was a notepad out and in one of their hands almost as if they were trying to to write something down wow that's weird a man named vladimir Ozkanadzi, who was a part of the search party said that while he was present he felt like those in charge of in charge of the investigation were not interested in a proper investigation oh no he said that it seemed like they already had a theory and that the whole search operation was rushed. He thinks there was pressure from someone from Moscow, Sverdlovsk, or Evedel, and that everyone just sort of wanted answers right away, so everything was just sort of rushed to get these the people their answers
1: that makes sense i mean the higher ups from moscow are just like look okay we're in russia right (laughs) okay you get that we're all here right now there's no get in russia not to remind you but here we are so i'm thinking maybe these teens maybe they're dying and i'm like this is boring they just froze to death i don't want to deal with this i'm going on vacation to fiji it's going to be so nice and sunny (laughs) so let's just file this paperwork okay We'll just put it away. They all die. They got so cold that they die. So I don't cold. know. Who cares? Okay, so we're just going to do that. Okay, goodbye. We'll see you on Monday. Goodbye, kisses. Bye, bye, bye. That was a quote.
2: That was a part of the transcript. That was <laughs> just
1: kidding. It was not.
2: Nicole bit- has to specify when I say <laughs> things that's not real. I feel like I do. That's why I always ask. Even though I know that you're saying things that aren't real. I always have to say it because I know that there are probably some people listening that are going to believe you, and I don't want to mislead our listeners. Look, if someone believes that what I just said was real and part of a tra- part of a transcript- People believe a
1: lot of things these days, so you can't- Name one thing people
2: believe. That Donald Trump is our savior. What? Oh, my God.
1: Moving on, Nicole. This is not a political podcast. <laughs> get get believe it. Get, get out, out of believe here. it. Get out of here. Go to the Capitol. <laughs>
2: A big, big part of this story and the investigation is that they found traces of radiation on some of the clothing of the four who had created the Dialogue Den. And this was the makeshift shelter that they had erected after they had fled the tent. Some articles, there was a little bit of weird information here. So I just wanted to point it out that some articles said that it was just Sasha Kolotaryov's body who showed radiation. Some say it was him and Ludmila, but some also say that it was Ludmila and also Alexander. Through the investigation, it's believed that only Ludmila's clothes actually contain any radiation and her clothes were actually the source of contamination for Sasha or Alexander because he was wearing her jacket. So, What's so weird about the radiation thing, because I tried to look this up too, Mm because
1: I was just totally fascinated Mm -hmm. by this. There is so little information about what kind of radiation it is. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. There's so many types of radiation that it actually matters what type it is. Right. And also, every
2: piece of information is completely different. There's a lot of conflicting information.
1: Yeah, in this whole case. Oh, oh, well, yeah, totally. There's just yeah, so but much. But this radiation thing, I'm obsessed with it, and no one has an answer, and it just makes me want to cry. I
2: know. It's also interesting because it's kind. Of, some articles say it was Ludmila's clothing. Some say it was hers and Alexander's clothing. But if you remember, Ludmila was the one who had her cu- her tongue cut out or ripped out. The autopsy is not clear, but it was removed when she was alive, and she showed trace levels of radiation. So out of all of them, it seems like she sort of had it the worst.
1: Oh, it's terrible.
2: Very terrible. But according to a Russian language website, the radiation that was found was surface contamination and probably was from her coat. It was determined that it was not the sort of radiation associated with a recent nuclear blast. So we can determine that it wasn't nuclear, says this article. <laughs> so we have the the part where there's the articles that say that's just Ludmila's coat and that it's Sasha, right? The website that I found that had the best information to me was dietlovepass.com. And it just had a bunch, bunch of information. That's and a great website. I felt like it was the most... The most well-researched, oh, yeah. I guess, of, out of all the things that I came across. And on that website, it said that radiation was found on three pieces of clothing. One being a brown sweater that was on Ludmila, One being on a sweater of Alexander Kolvatov. And also on Alexander Kolvatov's pants. So Kolvatov, Alexander Kolvatov is the, the pipe-smoking man. Right. I don't know if it's just the internet getting confused or... But Sasha was also called Alexander. So some articles said it was Sasha. And they have similar last names, too. So it's Kolvatov and Kolotaryov. Right. So I think it was just the internet getting mixed up with Alexander's. Right. I think it, to me, from my research, I think Alexander Kolvatov was the one that everyone meant. (laughs) I don't think Sasha had any radiation on his clothes his thing
1: that makes sense because i did see some websites that said alexander kolvatov when they actually met sasha yeah because sasha is a nickname for alexander and they were both named alexander and like you said their names were similar yeah. and i don't know people just don't okay. care I and guess. we've
2: been referring to sasha as or alexander kolotaryov as sasha because he went by sasha and he went by Semyon, and it's just easier easier that way Right. So Alexander is the pipe smoker. Sasha is the older gentleman. Yes. (laughs) Just in case anyone's confused, because it's very confusing with all of these names. Well, if you'll just get out your
1: Love Pass (laughs) trading cards, you'll totally understand who we're talking about right now. So
2: make sure you have those out. And if you have a holographic Charizard, you're playing the wrong game. Right. I want to read the official case file that I found from Dyatlovpass.com. And it's on the radiation because... To me, this is a huge part of the story, and it's a part of a clue of what actually happened. This is like the part where you can explain it away, but then it's like, but what about the radiation? You know? Could the clothes so this was asked in the case file, could the clothes be contaminated above the normal level by normal circumstances without having been in the presence of a radioactive contaminated place? And the answer was no. Whoa. There was also a theory that the clothing could have been contaminated along the way and that the trace levels were added onto the clothes by someone in the lab and maybe they just misplaced them. It was an accident in the lab. This was disproved as well. If you remember, both Kolvatov and Ludmila were found in a ravine of water. So, meaning their clothing was in running water for quite some time. And it still showed the presence of radiation. When they did their test, they washed the samples. And when the samples were washed, it actually decreased the levels of radiation significantly. Interesting. So their clothing probably had even more levels originally. And it who knows, it could have been on Nikolai as well. Right. And Sasha. Right. But having them have their bodies were in the ravine. They were partially washed off. So
1: very interesting. So we can just assume, I guess, infer, because you know what they say about when you assume. (laughs) Yeah. You're just a bitch. Um, You're just a bitch. If you can infer that they had higher levels of radiation and that the other two likely did too, but it just washed away through this running ravine. Well, I
2: mean, that's just me. That's just me talking. But when they did the test, they... With the pieces of clothing that they found that had the levels of radiation. They washed the clothing and the radiation went down. So if they were found in a ravine in running water, it's safe to assume that the levels initially were a lot higher. I would like to also assume this because (laughs) we are both the beach. Yes. Afterwards, so at the funeral, the wake, the bodies had an orange-ish hue to their skin. And some of their hair had even turned white, which they just chalked up to them being outdoors and exposed to the elements and decomposition. The point I was making is that sometimes, like, you know, in it.
1: I don't know anyone that's running the country that has orange skin and white <laughs> hair. Do you?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say running the country. No. no, I don't think anyone's doing that with those signifiers, signifiers. What would you say? Identifiers? Signifarios. (laughs) Signifarios. What were you saying about It? So you know in It when, because I have to relate everything to a movie or specifically a horror movie. When Henry Bowers sees It and his hair turns white. Right. It's like a known thing when you see something out of this world or shocking. People's, your hair turns white. You get super spooked. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with this. I was just reading it, and I was like, wait, that sounds a lot like it. When Henry Bowers, his hair turns white. I don't know if that actually happened with them or if it's just because they were outdoors in freezing weather. Who knows? But Well, radiation causes premature aging, too. Well, there you go. Another little bit of info is that a diary and a camera, they were missing from the group's things, and they were never found, and they've never been recovered.
1: I bet they were recovered and someone just found them. And and, took them? Yeah, took them or misplaced them because it
2: seems like they didn't give a shit. Right. So the official ruling was that the cause of their demise was an overwhelming force, which the hikers were not able to overcome, and that a compelling natural force had caused their deaths. And all I have to say to that is, yeah, no shit.
1: A compelling natural force is what killed these people. That's like everything. Everything is a compelling natural force. It's just force. basically
2: we don't know and we can't explain it, so we're just going to say this. Right. That's what that is. Like you get stabbed. Compelling natural force. You get shot. Compelling natural force. You fall off a building. Compelling natural force. You get hit by a car. Compelling
1: natural force. Um, A clown comes out of the sewer and scares your hair white and then you die of a heart attack.
2: A terrifying, compelling natural force.
1: Okay, everything is compelling natural force. Yeah, it honestly could be. As a line, as a line, a line of bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Now that we talked about the facts, I want to get into the good stuff, the conspiracies, yes, the theories, the explanations. Conspiracy corner. Conspiracy corner. This case is over 50 years old, and there were no living witnesses that we know of (laughs) to give a definitive answer on what happened to our adventurer's last day on Earth. So obviously, without a real conclusion, the world has been left to form its own theories on what could have happened. Mm -hmm. There's tons and tons of explanations, and we are going to go over the most likely And our personal favorites. Yes. Since there are
2: so freaking many. Oh my God. We don't have time to go over all of them. There are so many theories. It honestly made me dizzy doing research. It was unreal. Some are ridiculous and some are like, whoa.
1: Crazy. We chose some ridiculous and (laughs) some whoa. We're going to give you a mix of both. Little bit of a mix. So the first one I want to talk about is Avalanche. Yeah. This is the most natural of all conclusions. Right. Obviously, there was an avalanche and it buried everyone in snow.
2: Duh. They died, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that an avalanche cuts your tongue off while you're alive when it comes for you.
1: This February, coming to you to Love Pass. My tongue! The avalanche is coming for you and your tongue. Close your mouth. Or the avalanche will get you. Dun, dun. <laughs> I'm just picturing like a man walking in. He's got like a white pimp coat on. He's like, it's me, the avalanche. Give me your tongue, bitch. Pay me or I take your tongue. And then he take your tongue. And then he takes your tongue because you don't pay him. You don't pay him because you have no idea who he is
2: you but, never met him before. But everyone going into it thinks that it's like this expedition movie about a group that gets stuck in an avalanche. But really, it's just this like pimp who cuts off people's tongues if they don't pay him. And he calls himself the avalanche. And he wears a white fur coat. You know what? We need to stop. We can't give this idea away for free. OK?
1: We've got we so many movie ideas. Touchstone Pictures. If you're listening to this, please contact us because we have a touchstone. Is that a company still? honestly i don't i don't know i watched con air at 6 30 in the morning and was a touchstone and it was a touchstone pictures movie mm-hmm. so it's all i That's can think it. of <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend watching con air before nine in the morning before
2: you listen to this episode
1: <laughs> it relates so if you're 30 minutes
2: in and Stop what you're doing <laughs> and watch Con Air before you finish the rest of this episode.
1: Okay, seriously though,
2: just one aside:
1: if you haven't seen Con Air, it's incredible. We got Nick Cage, mm. long flowing locks. We got Chappelle. Oh, oh yeah, he's in that. He's in there. We got Cusack,
2: love my Ugh. baby Cusack.
1: Love it, Q. We got who else? Uh, Buscemi. Buscemi. Who else is in that? I can't even think. It's amazing. Seen that movie in,
2: like. A solid 18 years.
1: I haven't seen that movie in 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours too long. Frankly, I'm going to go watch it as soon as we're done recording. All right, let's get back to what we're actually talking about. Yeah, probably. But now all I can picture is Nick Cage's sick, sweet flow. I picture him standing on a mountain and it's blowing in the wind. Like the goddamn national treasure that he is. He's holding the decoration of this Independence. This is not a Nick Cage podcast. <laughs> it's not? No. Tune in Thursdays for Nick Rage with the Cage. That's me. All right, getting back to it. The theory is that the group heard a rumbly outside of the tumbly of their (laughs) tent, and having been experienced outdoors people, they knew that this rumble meant that an avalanche was coming. Right. So they quickly cut open their tent from the inside out as that seamstress Clearly stated. In forensics confirmed. And they fled to what they thought was safety, only to have made a grave mistake and been buried alive by a slab avalanche. If you're not familiar with a slab avalanche. I'm not. Of which I was not at 830 this morning. (laughs) I don't think anyone really is. Nope. Um, It is an extremely dangerous situation, which occurs when a weak layer of snow Underneath a firmly packed sheet of snow and ice breaks off. This allows the snow pack to move as an entire slab down the mountain. So think it's like layers, like the top is super hard, you know, like crunchy snow style. Yeah. And then the bottom is super soft snow, and the soft snow
2: breaks off, and the whole slab slides down the mountain. It's funny because that actually just happened. So I have this table outside, and I'm I'm so lazy and I didn't bring any of my outdoor furniture inside before it snowed here in Chicago. Terrible. And I have a chair and I have a table and I have pillows. So the pillows on the chair kind of make like a mountain, right? Yeah. And when I was outside, stay in my backyard with my dogs, it the, the piece that was on top of the pillows, because it was warm today, so it was melting, that right. entire piece just came off in a whole slab so I know exactly what you're talking about because it just happened in my backyard yeah did all of your nine army men that you set up die
1: yeah oh no did they fall into the ravine of dog pee
2: yeah they did no what happened to their tongues uh well Abra ate off one of them so
1: okay solved yeah we just reenacted it we just we know what happened terrible so you're an expert on
2: a slab avalanche yeah it was a full pillow. the full piece just came off all at once
1: yeah well i mean basically that's what that is just a mini oh, version yes. so yeah you're right all right so supporters of this theory say that this is why the tent was sliced from the inside and some of the group left the tent barely closed because mm-hmm. they were in a hurry according to the supporters of this theory the group ran away from what they thought was an approaching avalanche, and they feared a second wave. They decided to make their way to the Pia River, but instead accidentally descended into the valley where the lows river met their doom. Which seems super simple, right? But actually, not just so simple, <laughs> in my opinion. So from the research I found, this is in my opinion, the least likely to have happened and killed the gang. Although it's true that 80% of all skiing-related deaths occur due to avalanches, this particular area that they were in was not prone to avalanches. The mountain, called Kola Saikil, did not have the height or the proper angle for the deadly avalanche, unlike your couch cushion today. (laughs) Right. In the book Dead Mountain, the author describes a conversation with a researcher named Borzinkov who told them that the run-out angle of the slope was extremely shallow, which was only 16%. And this would make it so that an avalanche would barely be able to travel 100 yards, or if you're an American, the size of a football field. (laughs) (laughs) If you're from anywhere else, the size of an American football field. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) And they would never have reached, this avalanche would never have reached the tent. And then the angle below the tent was 25%, which, again, would only be capable of forming an avalanche in the absolute rarest conditions. So pretty much what I'm saying is that this was
2: virtually impossible. Yeah. So the mountain wasn't tall enough to have an
1: avalanche. Right. It wasn't tall enough. And then the slope just didn't line up. It had to be Mm -hmm. steeper. It had to be taller for any of this to happen. Right, right. And in fact, since the Dyatlov Pass incident, over 100 expeditions followed the path that had been taken, Mm -hmm. and none of them ever reported an avalanche. Wow. Plus, why would these almost masters of sport – well, you know, they were on their way to do that. Right. And why would they ever camp in the path of a potential
2: avalanche?
1: That doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Yeah, I mean – As stated before in the first episode, these kids, they knew what they were doing. This was like their final, I guess, test to show that they were the masters. And the fact that people have made similar, what, over 100 people have made, or expeditions have made similar treks. And there has never been an avalanche. Never. I mean, to me, that's a pretty good indicator that an avalanche probably didn't happen.
1: I fully agree with that. Plus, there was absolutely no signs of an avalanche ever having happened in the days leading up to the search for the hikers' bodies. The first of the bodies were found closest to the campsite, and they were found just days after they had died. They were covered in very shallow layer of snow, whereas an avalanche would have buried them in extremely deep snow. Mm -hmm. So that, number one, doesn't add up at all. Yeah. If somehow, against every odd, an avalanche did come rushing down the mountain, the gang would have had 10, maybe 15 seconds before the snowpack hit their tent, and their bodies, the tent, and the gear would be carried a great distance from their original location. Mm -hmm. This does not line up with the scene of the tragedy. The tent and all of its contents were right where they had been left, and we talked about it before. It was super orderly inside.
2: Yeah, neatly. Yeah. Neatly. Everything was placed.
1: So no way anything had moved. And as shown in a photo from February 1st, taken by the group, there was a ski pole stuck standing straight in an upright position outside of the tent. On February 26th, when the campsite was photographed for evidence, we can see the exact same ski pole sticking straight up out of the snow in the same exact spot. In the same photos, we can see the entrance of the tent standing upright. It's like a support pole, if you will. Yeah. Standing upright just straight up out of the snow. This is visible in both the photo from the day of their death and the day that the scene was found. This would absolutely not be possible if there was an avalanche that had been strong enough to kill humans, but I guess weak enough to leave ski poles and tent supports visually untouched?
2: Yeah, when I read about this theory, I think that little piece was the biggest part of the evidence for me that it wasn't an avalanche. I mean, their skis would be flattened by an avalanche and they were all still sticking up in the way that they left them. Yeah. So if snow had come and it had been a big enough threat to get them to cut open their tent to run away from it, it would have knocked everything down, and it didn't, so... And everything was untouched. Yeah. There was snowfall yeah. on top of the
1: tent. Which is natural. But it was snowing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've all
2: seen avalanche videos. Right. They're absolutely insane. Yeah, nothing. I mean, the campsite was virtually left in the same manner that they had set it up. So if there was an avalanche, everything should have been sprawled across everywhere, just in a complete disarray. And it wasn't like that, so... Absolutely. Also, the footprints of the group that
1: led down to the Dyatlov Den near the Lozva River mm-hmm. seemed very orderly.
0: Hmm.
1: There were not like weird missteps or it didn't look like anyone was running really. Mm-hmm. It was just regular footprints and the terrain seemed very easily traversed. This would simply mean that they weren't fleeing from an avalanche. They were just walking down there. Right. They would be running if they
2: were trying to flee from an
1: avalanche. Absolutely. What is very interesting is that on July 11th of last year, 2020, Andrei Kuryakov, who's the deputy head of the Ural's Federal District Doctorate of the Prosecutor General's Office. So many crazy titles in Russia. Just (laughs) going to put that out there. He announced that an avalanche was, quote, the official cause of death for the Dyatlov group in
2: 1959. I'm just going to say this. Super sorry, Andre. I don't buy it. Yeah, no, Andre. You can't just sweep this one under the rug by sticking an avalanche sticker on it. That's that's just not what happened.
1: Uh, a certified
2: avalanche? <laughs> Slap that one on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, another theory is katabatic wind. And the word katabatic is from a Greek word meaning descending. It's also known as gravity wind. And here is why. This wind appears when cold air over a mountain starts to flow downward. It's like a ball of wind rolling downhill because of gravity. And it carries a high density air because it comes from a higher elevation down a slope. This wind can sometimes produce the force like that of a hurricane, Hmm. and these winds have caused the deaths of many skiers. Like a hurricane on the side of a mountain? A hurricane on the side of the mountain. That's wild. Yeah, I know. For example, in February 1978, a group of nine, same number as Dyatlov's group, group of nine were on a ski trip in a landscape in Sweden similar to that of the Dyatlov group. Two women, seven men, same as Diet Love Pass, so weird, were overtaken by katabatic winds, but one of them survived, so he was able to report back and tell what had happened. A katabatic wind gets its force when cold air from the top flows down and displaces the warmer air below. The warmer it is below, the stronger the wind. And it usually happens at night because that's when the temperatures start to drop. A note made in one of the diaries a little bit before the group met their demise actually stated that a relatively warm wind was blowing in from the valleys. Which, given this theory, would have made it the perfect environment for some catabotic wind. How interesting.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine being on the top of a mountain on February 1st, the most wonderful day of the year, Um, and it just being super, (laughs) super warm, like this wonderful,
2: warm wind comes in? This, like, summer wind blowing through your hair. I would be so suspicious of that wind. Yeah. These winds also come very fast, and they come without warning, and usually they tear tents apart. But not if the group was fast thinking and they shredded it to escape. Mm -hmm. So the theory would be that this experienced group, they felt the wind, they knew it was there, so they cut the tent knowing that it would get destroyed if it was left erect. So they cut the tent, covered it with snow to keep it there, and the plan was to wait it out, find seek shelter somewhere else. Until these winds subsided, and then they would come back to the tent, come back to their campsite, restitch, dig out all their gear, and everything would be fine.
1: Well, just to interrupt you for one second, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier that there were weird horizontal coats in yeah. the tent. Maybe Peaking that was out. to help wind. Could flow. Yeah, could be. Know? Could be. How interesting.
2: Very interesting. This theory is fun. But also, another part. To point out here, remember that I stated that a flashlight was found outside of the tent. Right. So this theory suggests that possibly this flashlight was put there as a beacon to show where the tent was for them when they returned. Oh. So they cut it open, they covered it so it wouldn't fly away in these winds, and they all ran away to try to seek shelter somewhere else away from these winds. Right. Kind of makes sense, right? Right. Four went down into the ravine.
1: Right. And then the other five hid in the forest. Yeah.
2: And it sounds like this could have happened. But then why did some of them not have any clothes? They knew the conditions outside. Did they not just have enough time? Maybe. Who knows? But this also doesn't explain the Dyatlov Den 4, who all had injuries consistent with that of a car crash. And these winds could not have done that to them. And they sure as hell couldn't have cut Ludmila's tongue while she was still alive. What? Wind doesn't do that? The last thing I want to point out is that katabatic winds are not radioactive, so that can't be explained either. Okay,
1: so unless this wind was radioactive... And car- Maybe it was carrying a radioactive knife, <laughs> and she was sticking her tongue out to catch a snowflake, and it swung by and cut her tongue off. I just want to stop this. This is so ridiculous. I- this is too ridiculous for me, and I'm a ridiculous person. <laughs> the next explanation I want to talk about is called infrasound. This explanation to me is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of infrasound?
2: I didn't know what it was until this case and skimming the book because he goes into a theory of this. And before that, I didn't know it existed. I'm absolutely obsessed with this.
1: I think it's ridiculous, but I'm obsessed with it. Okay. Infrasound is a super low frequency sound that lies under the level of human hearing. For humans to perceive infrasound, the sound pressure must be extremely high Even then, we cannot truly hear like in the traditional sense, Uh but our bodies can sort of feel it like a vibration. Oh. Generally, 20 hertz. Some of you will get this. A lot of you won't. (laughs) Flying
2: over my head right now. That's (laughs) fine.
1: Um, generally, 20 hertz is considered the normal low frequency limit for human hearing. So I think the lowest tone you could possibly think of is 20 hertz. Yeah. Or around there. Somewhere around there. Okay. Right. Humans are able to register sound as low as 12 hertz, but mm-hmm. anything below 10 cannot really be heard. But you can feel a sensation of pressure on your eardrums. Ooh. So I'm feeling like when a plane takes off. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel that intense pressure, like the cabin pressurizes. I wonder
2: if it has something to do with it, actually. Maybe that's why everyone gets so nervous when planes take off. Maybe. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah.
1: Well, infrasound usually comes from two places, either deep inside the earth, like from a volcano or an earthquake or something like that, Mm -hmm. or from strange wind patterns called the carbon vortex, not unlike catabolic wind. Think of it sort of like that classic latte art, you know, with the swirls where it's like woo 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 woo. <laughs> yeah. But this is double. So it's like so, woo 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 woo. Exactly. Okay. You just Got it. It Got nailed it. it. You just nailed it. Okay. So <laughs> it's super fun to look at images of the airflow or clouds of this pattern. So if you are able to Google the Carmen Vortex, just Google image it. It's amazing. Have you seen pictures of this? No. It's fucking incredible. Look it up right now. So why are we talking about low frequency sound? We are talking about this because it makes people go insane. Hmm. It's super crazy wind. Wind turbines, you know, like the giant white uh yeah, I know. The ones that give you cancer. <laughs> they, oh yeah. <laughs> they make a similar tone and it is study from twenty 20- And in a study from 2006 that I read, people that live close to wind wind turbines report always feeling on edge in some sort of way. Hmm. The low frequency, at best case scenario, is associated with feelings of annoyance or fatigue and can create irregular sleeping patterns.
2: That's so crazy to me. And also, if you just think about it, the government can use this to control us with sound. The government definitely has sound weapons.
1: Totally. I don't want to jump off into like ultra conspiracy. No, they do. Yeah. There's a lot of weird tonal weapons out there. Yeah. But the U.S. government is using sound weapons. Yeah. And if you're not fucking woke to it, get woke. Because it's real. Get woke and stay woke. Get woke and stay woke. (laughs) Wake up, America. Sheeple. That's right. Okay. (laughs) At at its worst, this low frequency leads to a disturbance in a person's sense of well-being which can lead to psychotic breaks, suicide, and murder, most foul. Mm. Also, super fun fact, when you go to a concert and you feel your body vibrating, yeah, it's typically from an infrasound being produced by the massive
2: subwoofers. So like when you stand on the side of the stage right at those huge speakers that they always have, like if you're seeing a live show, yeah, it's like by your ear and you're like, I need to move away from this subwoofer. Do That's not infrasound. do that.
1: <laughs> Don't do it. High volume at concerts with very large subwoofer setups have been cited as having caused lungs to collapse in Whoa. people who stand near the subwoofers. I never do. So please don't. I Well, it bothers me. I don't know how people do that. It's terrible. This happens especially for people who are smokers, so they have damaged lungs, mm-hmm. and people who are tall and thin. So just my opinion, my advice here as just your local podcast mom (laughs) um maybe think twice before you get too close to the speakers at your next mastodon or wiggles (laughs) live concert okay i'm a back row
2: type of gal anyways so i like to assess the crowd and not be shoulder shoulder with anyone so that works get those lawn seats yeah you got to got to and
1: i'm just spitballing here this might be another reason why the group could have had internal injuries but they weren't visible from the inside
2: Oh, maybe
1: this in that a possibility infrasound kind of like fucked them up on the inside. Yeah. Breaking ribs, though. mm, Maybe not. It collapses organs and like damages your internal Mm. organs, but probably doesn't break bones. Yeah, maybe. All right. Back on main topic here. The theory is that this sort of infrasound was created by the wind passing over the top of the mountains. And the hikers began to feel a physical discomfort and eventually a mental distress until they could no longer take it. It's theorized that the sound made the hikers leave the tent in a fit of distress and wander into the woods to die. Yeah, It's a very interesting theory, but
2: we don't know if I buy it. Yeah, I'm on that team too. And actually in the book, Dead Mountain, that we've referred to a lot in this episode and the last episode. This is the theory that that author subscribes to. Yeah. And he goes through a whole scenario of what happens. He even gives reasons for what happened to each person and how they were found in the way that they were. And I have to say, it is an interesting take, but it's not my favorite theory, and I don't believe it.
1: When... I was fully planning on including his theory in this
2: podcast. Yeah. And then I was just thinking like I don't believe it. Yeah, it just seems kind of, I mean, it's like the sciency way of trying to explain what happened to them. Yeah, cuz there's always got to be a sciency explanation for everything.
1: And I don't I don't love it, so yeah. I left it out. If you want to read it, again, the book is super freaking short. Yeah. You can get it on Hoopla for free. Mhm. But I don't know. I just feel like this didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that either. Um, do you want to talk about the theory that I I believe actually happened and I think you actually believe it also? What theory? The military tests and possible KGB being involved. I'm 98% sure this is what happened. Yeah. That's this is mine too. Okay, so let's talk about this theory that we both subscribe to. And what we think is most likely the theory that they stumbled upon a military experiment and were either killed by soldiers or possibly the KGB. It's important to point out that this was a communist country. The Cold War was in full effect. So this theory says that on that night, military tests were going on close to where the team was camped. And that the people doing the tests had no idea that there would be people in the area. There was actually also scrap metal found near the area, not in the camp or by the bodies, but nearby. A military test could also explain the radiation that was found on the clothing. Makes sense to me. One theory suggests that a weapon they were testing could have been an air burst concussive device with a possible chemical warfare component. Right. If the hikers heard the explosion... It would have made them flee the tent for safety in a hurry. And it also could have explained the little cut marks in the top if they looked out and saw some explosion in the distance or close to nearby where they were. Could have made them cut open the tent to run away. This makes
1: the most sense to me. Yeah. Also, just jumping on that infrasound weapon thing, mm-hmm. they could have, the KGB or military could have deployed one of these infrasound weapons Very as a true. test or something. Very true. And I don't know, just put that out there. Mm-hmm.
2: So if the group had fled from the tent in a hurry after witnessing these explosions, hearing these explos- explosions, it could have brought them to the spot underneath the cedar tree where they started to build a fire. Some members could have froze to death because they were just unprepared and couldn't grab enough clothing the the ones who were there, some could have decided to try to make their way back. And then the Love crew could have decided to keep on going. Who knows? The Love den crew could have possibly ran into a second device that detonated, which would cause their weird injuries. Because remember, the forensic pathologist said that their injuries were conducive to that of a shockwave bomb. Right. So like a huge... Force of some sort that kind of blew them into the air, brought them back down, uh-huh. caused all these internal injuries. Cracked some skulls, cracked some ribs, yeah. cut some tongues off. If they ran into the people who were doing these tests, they could have also had altercations with them. Ludmila, who was the one who had her tongue cut out, ripped out, we don't mm-hmm. know, she was also known to be very outspoken. And she didn't take shit from anyone. So her tongue could have been removed because she was talking the most. Who knows? That's right. It's also a thing KGB and the KGB and special forces were known to have done to their prisoners. When I first
1: learned that her tongue was removed, Mm -hmm. I instantly thought KGB because they're so infamous
2: for cutting people's tongues out. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you don't cooperate, you're giving them shit. Yeah, That's what they're going to do. Be a loudmouth. Yep. They're going to take away your method of talking. Exactly. Also, the chest wounds, Ludmila and Sasha, they had injuries to their chest. KGB soldiers have been known to step on the chest of their prisoners to try to keep them subdued. So this pressure on their chest could account for the injuries as well. Ribs break super easy. You can break your ribs from coughing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. (laughs) There is another theory, and it involves Sasha Zolotaryov, who was the older man on the hike. He was a World War II veteran, and he was from the division that basically no one survives in. And there's a theory that he was connected to the KGB and possibly a KGB spy. This is very fun. So Igor, he submitted where they would be hiking the area, so it was known where the group would be or should be, but what would the KGB want with a group of hikers? That just doesn't make sense, right? Sure. Another nearby group who was out during the same time as the Dyatlov crew said that they had witnessed balls of fire in the sky or glowing orange spheres on the night of the accident, but they didn't report hearing any explosions. There were rumors of secret training sites located nearby, and though... Never confirmed, it was hinted that there were some missile tests being done in the area. But if the government is involved, if Sasha was a KGB spy, who even knows why he was even sent on this mission with them? It's just, it's unclear. It's kind of a stretch. But if the government's involved, if it's a KGB thing, we will never know. Never. Because they will never confirm it. And they'll never admit to anything that will make their country look bad. So... Right,
1: it's kind of a, a dead end there. Yeah, but
2: remember, if you if you do remember
1: from part one, which you definitely listened to before you listen to this one, um, Sasha met up with this group. He was supposed to go with another group, right? And he was kind of included.
2: He was like the odd one out.
1: Yeah, as like a last minute thing. The whole Diet Love original, like the OG crew, mm-hmm. they were unsure of him. He
2: was older. He was... They just didn't know him like they knew everyone else. He wasn't a part of, like, their friend group. But he fit in well with everyone else. Oh, for sure.
1: But just remember that he was technically a last-minute addition to this. Yeah. So if you subscribe to this whole Sasha was KGB scenario... Yeah. I could see it in a way because he was sort of like last
2: minute. Yeah. Well, I see it and I think he gets blamed because he was last minute. Yeah. He was like the odd one from the group who obviously they were all friends. They were all similar age. Mm. They knew each other. They all had crushes on Xena. So him just like not knowing anyone, he's like the odd factor out, which is if you were investigating the case – That would be a red flag.
1: Of course.
2: But there's nothing ever that proves that he was in the KGB, was involved in the KGB. If he was in the KGB, why was he sent to follow along with these hikers who were just trying to get their grade three certification? What would be the point? Why would the KGB be interested in them? It just doesn't make sense.
1: I agree with that. Maybe the KGB was... I'm going to get too far in conspiracy corner, <laughs> so I'm going to keep it tight. Um, maybe the KGB was doing experiments or, like, something in the area, and yeah. they sent him along to kind of steer them away.
2: Right. So, but he was also killed.
1: So, Well,
2: I don't think the, the Russian government cared who got killed. Yeah. There are a lot of specific um, explanations for him. There are a lot of people have... Dived right down that conspiracy rabbit hole, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's people have come up with a whole bunch of stories on how he was in the KGB, why he was there. I didn't include any of it. It's on the internet if you want to look it up. I just kind of did a generalization of. Some people think he was KGB.
1: Right. We'll stop talking about it because truly we could talk about it for 18 hours. Exactly. It, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're, like if you're... Like with everything
2: else of this case.
1: Right. If you're subscribing to this, just Google Sasha KGB or some shit. Right. And you'll find more information than you ever wanted.
2: Yeah. Another interesting theory was that when they found the bodies of the four from the den, the Dial of Den, the helicopter pilot refused to take the bodies because he said that they were contaminated, and he wouldn't do it unless they were enclosed in zinc coffins. Weird. He was a military helicopter pilot. How did he know the bodies were contaminated or may have been contaminated? What at the scene did they find that could have hinted that? I mean, nothing was reported. Nothing that would have hinted that the bodies could have possibly been emitting radiation or really any other biological chemical at all. Nothing, we- nothing was reported. Do you smell that?
1: Radiation. It's radiation. I can smell it. It is the smell of the radiation given off by the golden hot tub. We are so close. We must (laughs) find it.
2: We can't take the bodies. We're looking for the hot tub. So to me, it's just, why did this man refuse? Did he know something that the other searchers and the rescuers didn't? He was military. So he probably had more information than the rest of them. Yeah. In actuality, it's very weird
1: that he would just say, no, I can't take these. They're contaminated. Get your zinc coffin.
2: Not having it. He actually delayed the rescue of these bodies. So the bodies were not flown out on the day that they were found. They had to wait a whole other day to get these zinc coffins in order to be flown out. So they waited another day, risked another day of decomposition because this pilot refused to take them. Right. And now things are
1: very swiftly melting because everything's been excavated. Mm -hmm. It's spring. The sun is out. The little ravine is flowing. So really,
2: that's sort of fucked up
1: as a like a forensics point of view.
2: That to me is one of the biggest hints that it was military because he was a military helicopter pilot. Right. He refused to take them out of the area, which means he knew something. You can't just look at something and say that it's radioactive. I mean, unless it's like glowing green Simpsons style. Simpsons come up once again. They all had three eyes. But for real, though, you can't can't make that inference about something just by seeing it. Yeah. He knew something and he didn't want to harm himself by taking the bodies without them being protected first. So
1: he knows something.
2: Another thing is that Yuri Yudin, who was the one who was with the group, but he had to stop and he went back because of his medical issues. His theory is that he said that he thinks his friends saw something that they shouldn't have seen and that they were forced at gunpoint to fabricate a scene to confuse investigators. And then they were just left there to die. Holy shit, Yuri. Yeah. Speaking some truth right there.
1: Well, he lives in Soviet Russia. Yeah. So he knows what it's
2: like there. Right. So I kind of want to believe Yuri, hands down, without a doubt. Yeah. And Luda's father, even in his testimony from mid-April, weeks before his daughter's body was found, he talked of a similar force affecting the hiker's senses. He said that I think a missile was launched from within the USSR. Sorry, where is your accent? (laughs) Damn it. Okay. I thought I was going to get away with this one. Never. He said, I think a missile was launched from within the USSR, said Alexander (laughs) (laughs) Tupanina. It all makes sense to me that they fled from the tent due to an explosion and a mission near the height of 1,079 yards which forced the hikers to run away from the tent, and maybe it affected their condition, particularly their sight. So much
1: so that their eyeballs fell right out of their heads.
2: And their tongues. So that's just, that's a theory that I believe in, and I think it's the best one. Well,
1: let's go over a couple more little theories. Yes. And then we will definitely discuss what we think happened. Yep. My all-time favorite theory is the UFO theory. Yes. I love it. I love a good alien story. I love it. And I think that this would just be sort of fun if it was true. Honestly, it would make sense, too. As fun as nine people dying in the wilderness, nine youths. Dying in the wilderness could be, which is very sad and not fun at all. Yeah. But aliens. Okay. So let's start with the infamous frame 33. Mm. As we spoke about before, the group took tons and tons of photos. They also had a makeshift tripod set up with their camera on top facing away from their campsite. The very last photo on the roll of film was frame 33. Technically, if you want to get technical, because you're going to get technical with me, (laughs) this is frame 34. But frame 15 isn't counted in a lot of the documents that I found because it's just like a blurry man in the woods. And it isn't considered to be a quality piece of evidence. So they just admit, like, omitted it for some reason. Mm -hmm. So we're calling this frame 33. Anyways. To describe it, it is mostly black with a bright white dot dead center and a semi-curved circle of bright white in the upper left. I'll post a picture of this along Mm -hmm. with others so that you guys can see it. But if you'll imagine this with me, it sort of looks like if you squinted really, really hard at the back of a CD on a very bright day, but also you were in a really dark room. And so just like pretend that that means something to you. Nicole's closing her eyes. I'm trying to squint at the lights we have. (laughs) She's on her journey. Imagine you have your Britney Spears CD, the very first single you ever bought in your whole life. Oops, I did it again. Me too. Um, You (laughs) have it. It's turned shiny side up. You're squinting real hard at it, squinting at the lights. You're in a dark room. The light's reflecting on Britney. Mm. That's what we're seeing. Okay. Okay. So it's super weird. The significance in this photo lies in how much you believe in the conspiracy that aliens were afoot and played a hand in the deaths of our favorite Russian hikers. The photo is supposedly that of a UFO or the light emanating from a UFO. Around the time of the incident, the Soviet armed forces were launching rockets from military base nearby, claiming that the rockets landed in the northern portion of the Ural Mountains which our gang was currently occupying. Well, that's right. Geologists about 70 kilometers from the mountain reported seeing glowing and pulsating orbs flying in the direction of this mountain top. Kola Cykel was the name of the mountain. I'm very bad at saying it, but I'm trying really hard, okay? <laughs> so this was on the evening of February 1st. No, it wasn't to celebrate my birthday, Nicole. Don't even bring
2: that up. Don't be ridiculous. I mean, come on. They knew one day you would be born...
1: They were like pre-gaming your birth. Oh, thank you, you got to, but just let it go. Okay, it's nothing important. It's not important that my birthday is February first. We're not bringing that up Our anymore. My birthday is February first. Nicole, don't embarrass me. Okay, so could these lights have been the lights of a UFO?
2: Could the military have been shooting at UFOs? I want to point something out before we get further into it. So, do it. This photo. Some people believe that it was taken by the di- by. Igor and his gang. Yeah. Some people also say that it was taken by the searchers when they found the camera. Like it was the last... Like an accidental. An accidental or when they were trying to develop the film, it went off or they, they did it and that was the last one. It's not really... No one really knows. It's one of those things in the investigation where it's like some people say this, some people say that. So... Right, and they're calling it lab developed, which I don't yeah. know
1: if you ever took a photo class. I never in high did. School. You're the photo expert here. Okay, I'm not. They're saying that it's lab developed, which means that basically they just developed the film mm-hmm. in a laboratory, which you do with all film. Yeah. Um and then they took a photo of the film. They didn't actually develop it in anything basically. Oh. So, they're not counting it, it along with the other photos like as a piece of evidence originally. It was mm. sort of like thrown off to the side like this well this is a photo of nothing basically just like with frame 15.
2: Oh, okay. They
1: weren't taking it seriously. But
2: because a, it, they couldn't decipher what was in the picture.
1: Yeah, it was like a nothing photo to them. That's
2: terrible investigating. It skills. sounds super great. But because we live in the
1: age of the internet, Yeah, people found this and said, why aren't people paying attention to this? Oh, okay. And they ran with it. And then rumors went that it was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. That's how the internet works. Yep. Well, also the lead investigator of the Dyatlov Inquiry, his name is Lev Ivanov. Mm-hmm. He was actually quoted in January of 1990 that he believed that the group had been killed by a UFO directly yeah. or indirectly. hmm Very
2: freaking fun. He like 100% believes this. He is
1: fully subscribed to this. he's on board. And with his subscription, I also am just fully on this. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's actually my second favorite. I love how committed he is. Uh He believes that it was
1: possible for the group to have been so frightened by a UFO that they had encountered that they cut open their tent and they fled into the night just... Basically, essentially dying from natural causes that they would have not encountered if they had been not been pushed out of the safety of their tent by these approaching
2: extraterrestrials. Right. I mean, honestly, same. What else could have happened to make them leave the tent in such a haste? It Whatever made them leave the tent? Had to have been something crazy. Super crazy. Because they knew what they were getting into outside. So. Right. And
1: also, just kind of again, spitballing here, they had a <laughs> lot of weird internal injuries. Yeah. And like the tongue was missing and stuff. Right. Aliens do weird ass shit, dude. Think of cattle mutilations. Right. What do they do? They take, they the, take tongue, the tongue, they tongue. take the mouth, they, they take, take the, the anus. They're, yeah. All their anuses were fine, so <laughs> let's just say. put that out there for a um, Or if they weren't, we have no idea. Yeah. But they they take those weird, like the eyes, the yeah. tongue, the, the ears, the mouth. Very true. They take weird shit. Mm-hmm. So who knows, exactly. right? Exactly. In a report from 1990, Ivanov is quoted as saying, when EP... Maslenikov and i examined the scene in may we found that some young pine trees at the edge of the forest had burn marks but those marks did not have concentric form or some other pattern there was no epicenter this once again confirmed that heated beams of a strong but completely unknown type at least to us energy were Directing their firepower towards specific objects, in this case, people, acting selectively. So, pretty much, he believed that these heat beams were a part of some sort of craft.
2: Mm. Like maybe.
1: Because the the tree. The tree.
2: Well, yeah, we saw the same thing when we covered Travis Walton. How the trees were burned at the tops as if something was floating above them. Right.
1: And as we know from Travis Walton and from so many other alien abductions, radiation yep. stems from UFOs and from the abductions. Yep. So that's just another parallel of where it could have come from. Another answer for the radiation. Yes. And as you mentioned earlier, another group of hikers who were around fifty kilometers south of the love Pass reported seeing these strange orange spheres in the sky to the north on the night of my birth, I'm sorry, of the incident. <laughs> they were your pre-birth fireworks. That was all that they saw. Definitely that and not <laughs> UFOs. Maybe. Who knows? Between February and March of 1959, numerous reports of similar spheres spotted in the sky in Evedale and neighboring areas were reported by multiple independent witnesses. Wow. This is huge for all of our ufologists listening right now. Mm -hmm. Independent witnesses, multiple people seeing the same thing, reported the same thing throughout this entire period. Mm -hmm. This is huge, and I'm so excited right now. I'm like, (laughs) shaken. She is. I can see her. (laughs) The indigenous Mansi people also gave reports of these lights, and they drew pictures of flying saucers and great glowing orbs when asked to describe what they had seen. Mm. So they're drawing, like, Mexican hat-style UFOs. Sombreros. (laughs) No, we're not using that. They're called Mexican hat-style. I do not know why. I know, I know. (laughs) So they're drawing the quintessential UFO and these bright lights in the sky. Right, and everyone's seeing them, too. All the people see the same thing. Even the military and meteorological societies made more of these unexplainable spears like known they all were reporting this Mm -hmm. lev ivanov claimed that ap kirilenko who is a member of the soviet congress Mm -hmm. along with his advisor a.f ashtukin forced ivanov to take out any references of unknown flying objects ufos or other (laughs) strange phenomenon from his official report it should be noted that Kirilenko became absolutely obsessed with UFOs after the Dyatlov incident. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't? But this is a guy that told him to take it out.
2: Mm -hmm. Because he didn't want the public to know.
1: That's right.
2: But now he's a total convert
1: because he wants to believe. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) In the early 1960s, he filed several requests to gain access to the KGB archives But we do not know if he was granted access or what Mm. he found, if anything. Maybe he was whacked off. I have no idea what the KGB does Mm. with this stuff. Interesting that such a high up in the Soviet government would care so much about something so unscientific and without any explanation. Especially back then. And it just makes me wonder if there's
2: something more to this. Or... It was just the one case that kept him up every night, running through each and every scenario, trying to figure out what happened, and he just needed to know.
1: Yeah, maybe. So,
2: he became a member of the Soviet Congress for one reason and one reason only, to get access to the KGB archives. Which episode did we say, I was going to become
1: a police officer so that I could get (sighs) records to... The police. Oh, God.
2: God. Was it Elisa Lam? I think it was Elisa Lam.
1: (laughs) So I get it, man.
2: You You were going to become a cop just so you could get.
1: Sometimes you got to get on the inside (laughs) to find out what's on the outside.
2: Sometimes you you just got to steal that Declaration of Independence. It's what you got to do.
1: Be a national treasure. (laughs) There isn't much else to this theory or this case, but I think it's super fun. And maybe the aliens were also looking for the golden hot tub mm. in the Ural Mountains.
2: What if the aliens own what? the golden hot tub in the Ural Mountains? You're blowing my mind. And they were hoping that the group would make it.
1: <gasps>
2: but then they ran into the KGB. Oh, my God. And then the aliens were like, no. Like,
1: shit. they had, like, all their off ices. And, like, they were ready
2: to ice each and every one of those they were, It was like a
1: sick prank. <laughs> they couldn't wait to do it.
2: Yeah. Oh, and then they met up with the KGB. And then, they yeah, the KGB got them. That's my theory. Maybe, well, okay,
1: hold on. There's a couple <laughs> other okay, theories okay, I want to go I'm sorry. Over. I'm jumping ahead. That's okay. Um, We kind of coupled this in under a section we like to call natural causes. Right. Because they're just
2: natural. They're just – it's just like a bunch of other random shit that people have said that we don't really think is – is what happened, but it's worth mentioning because it's kind of crazy and out there. So Yeah,
1: yeah. So we're just going to run through them, like, super fast. Honestly, they're a little bit
2: boring to me. Some of them are boring and some of them are just completely ridiculous, but also worth it, so. All right, well, let's just go over a couple, okay? Okay. All right. So I read
1: in an Atlantic article, I think it was Atlantic, I don't know. We'll put all our sources in the show notes, so check it out there. As always. Um, that some people believe that there was infighting in the group due to either crushes, uh, <laughs> probably Zena, the hottie of the group, with right. Janice, um, that were brought to light, or some sort of machismo camper cred rivalry. <laughs> what? Like, people were like, I am the better camper, and everyone's like, I am the better camper, and then they're like argued about like who could make a fire faster and then like no one made a fire because aliens came Mm. anyways so the article said that the hikers could have killed each other as evidence in the physical injuries or the group possibly kicked some people out of the tent in a fit of rage and they froze to death i.e the yuris
2: yeah there's also a theory that sasha zolotaryov who was the older man. Right, our KGB guy. Yeah, there's a theory that he killed everyone, Mm. and there's literally a whole story and a scenario on the Die Out Love Pass website that I talked about earlier. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. It, It starts off as... Him and Igor got into a fight, and then he has a meltdown, and he just freaks out and kills everyone.
1: Let's not even entertain this.
2: It's very stupid, and once again, I think it's just kind of latching on to the fact that he was the odd one out. Nobody knew him, so it's like, he must have had something to do with it, which it's – there's no evidence to prove that, so.
1: No, no. There's a lot of theories that there's absolutely no evidence to prove. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like, um –
1: like there's a theory that the Mansi people, yeah, which just makes I, me angry. I hate that theory so much. I actually completely left it out of our little mm-hmm. outline here because yeah. I didn't. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. So basically, people are saying that the Mansi people, who are the indigenous tribe over
2: there, yeah, in that area,
1: yeah, they, for some fucking reason,
2: killed these people. Abduct, yeah, abducted them and then killed them and left them. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. By every account that I have
1: read, yeah. the Mansi are just totally chill, reindeer herding, right. not
2: giving a shit, mushroom taking,
1: <laughs> just chill ass people.
2: And they even participated in the search and one of the Mansi leaders was the one who found, actually found the Die of Den, the four of them. Right. So... Why would they be participating in something that they caused? It just... They wouldn't. It's stupid. It's a stupid, stupid theory, and we're not spending any more time on it.
1: No, we are done. (laughs) But some people do blame wildlife, thinking Mm. possibly that a bear or some other sort of predatory wildlife, like an apex predator, Mm -hmm. could have spooked the gang into leaving the tent Mm. in a rush. And then hypothermia took care of the rest. Right. Also, the missing eyes and the tongue... Could have been a little snack for roving critters. Mm -hmm. And speaking of roving critters, (laughs) there is another theory that a yeti could have gotten the gang.
2: Right. And this this is another fun little theory. I don't believe it. I don't think you believe it. No, but it's very fun. It's very fun. And it's like just Hollywood horror movie written all over it. So the theory is that the gang was attacked by a yeti. And... Obviously, they're in the Russian wilderness, like it's cold, perfect climate for a Yeti, right? Prime Yeti real estate. Exactly. The reason for this is that there is a picture and it was taken on from from one of their cameras. It's very soft. It's very blurry. But essentially what the picture is, is it's a figure or it's a dark form that sort of looks like a Bigfoot or a Yeti, and it's from far away, and he's, like, posed in the woods. Like, I think he's holding on to, like, a tree or something.
1: Is this frame 15?
2: I think it might be. When you were talking yeah, about it earlier, I it, I, it sounded like, yeah, what you were saying. Because I, I think that in some accounts they say it was the last picture taken also, mm-hmm. but that's the people who don't believe that the last picture in the sky is, was really taken by yeah. them. There's... Well, Anyways, we'll share this picture so yeah. you can make your own judgment. So, it was found, it was the last picture on the roll and looking at it, it's actually sort of creepy because the posture of the being is very yeti bigfoot like. It's almost like, you know, in the classic like the Patterson video, the classic Oh yeah. Bigfoot video where he's walking and then he turns. Yeah, like everyone's seen that video, the Patterson video. But so it it kind of is reminiscent of that where he's in a weird like you just caught me pose. So it kind of seems (laughs) realistic, but I mean, it could 100% be one of the hikers and it probably is. But it's an interesting picture Given what happened to the group and given that it's either the last or one of the last, the second to last, whatever you want to think, it's one of the last pictures that they took. It's definitely suspicious. Suspicious. Another thing that is strange about this is that one of the females, I don't know if it was Luda or Xena, one of them wrote in their diary, now we know that Mank is real. Nothing else, no other content, just that sentence. Didn't explain it at all. But Mank is the Russian equivalent to Bigfoot or Yeti, and it's in Mansi folklore. Right. So it's very, very interesting, but I don't think I really subscribe to this theory. I still think it's strange, but I don't believe that Yeti did all of this. But if you also remember in the newspaper that they created, they had a little fun section where they said Yeti is real, sort of as a joke, because they made that, like, satire, jokey newspaper about Mm -hmm. their expedition. So maybe they were taking pictures as, like, a joke, like, this is a Yeti, and so they could show friends, maybe joke about it later. Who knows? Maybe it was a running inside joke in the gang, too. Like, they were just a bunch of fun-loving young kids Saying that Yeti was chasing you on this trip would have, I mean, that would have crossed my mind. I would have made, like, ten jokes about that.
1: Oh. The like, entire trip. Yeti jokes all day. Yeah. Yeah. But I am really into this whole idea that they actually made the first Bigfoot photo as a prank.
2: Right. Like, they were like, don't catch Well, me. and it's interesting, too, because 1959, uh-huh. that's before the Patterson video. Yeah. So they technically made had the first Bigfoot yeah. prank. But they're not getting any credit. They're not. They, they should don't. have
1: watermarked it. <laughs> that people would have known if they watermarked totally, it. Totally, totally. Yeah, I love this. It's so super fun because I yeah. feel like it was definitely just a joke. Oh, they for They put sure. in the journal, like, the Mank is real. Yeah. And then in their cute little newspaper, they put this little article about how the Mank is real. Yeah, and they right? definitely
2: saw one. Like they were trying to like, perpetrate this lie that we we saw Yeti. Like,
1: I'm fucking sorry if you see a giant cryptid. We all love Bigfoot. We all want to, like, be BFFs with BF, right? Yeah. But if you fucking saw Bigfoot in real life, you would not, you wouldn't have time to write a newspaper article. You would scream. You would definitely piss your pants. And you would run
2: and cry. And you wouldn't just write Bigfoot is real in your diary and that's it. You No. So yeah, I'm I think it was a joke. I honestly think it was just all a joke. So I agree with that. It is a fun theory though. It's very, very fun. There's also a stupid theory that was, I guess, suggested by the semi decent horror movie Devil's Pass. And it's that it was there was a military experiment going on with teleportation. Which is fun. It's fun, and I think that this was just purely because in the movie that's yeah, what you, it is i don't think anyone really no has any evidence for this it's very stupid so that's all i'm going to say but the devil's past movie isn't that bad did is you it, watch it is it on netflix um no it's not you have to rent it i don't think it's streaming anywhere oh i think it's worth a watch though if you like the case yeah i mean they do get many many things wrong But the thought is there. So it's it's a horror movie. It's not a documentary. Exactly. There's another theory that they were attacked by criminals, which there is no proof of. One nurse made a statement that they delivered 11 bodies instead of nine, but it's never been confirmed. Yeah, that's not...
1: That was in, like, one place, and right. it makes no sense. There's
2: a theory that prisoners followed them, or if you remember, they stayed at the woodcutting settlement, and they stayed with these woodcutters. So, there's a theory that potentially the woodcutters followed them. They didn't see women for a long time, so they were following the group, but they weren't robbed, money was found, and nobody was sexually abused or harassed, so... That theory doesn't stand. Right. We at mentioned all. that last episode that the two women were right. virgins. So if they came to the if the whole reason was that they were prisoners and they wanted to steal their money yeah. and rape the women, like that just the money wasn't stolen and they were both virgins. So it doesn't no, hold yeah, up. At none all. of that lines up at all. Nope.
1: I think maybe I mean there's a thousand more written down here but i feel like yeah. maybe let's just be done yeah they're all so ridiculous If you
2: want to do any more like deep diving go on com. super simple yeah. to remember
1: there's tons there's tons there's so there's, there's so like so a wolverine many.
2: attack is one of them it's insane
1: <laughs> there's so so many theories yeah. that are just so silly and so small that we're not even going to entertain them right so let me ask you Nicole. Yeah. What do you
2: think happened? My well, my whole thing, first of all, in assessing what happened, it all boils down to the tent Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and why they rushed out of it so quickly, knowing that cutting themselves out of it, they would be, you know, exposed to the elements, knowing that they could potentially die from hypothermia. So to me, it had to have been something extreme. That got them out of the tent. So I think it was military experiments. I think there was some sort of explosion happening. Maybe they heard it. Maybe they felt it. They cut open the tents. Maybe they saw some lights, some explosions. They just knew, hey, we need to get the hell out of here. So they ran out right away without putting clothes on. And the people who set off the experiment found them, came to the site. The two... Yuri's died of hypothermia before then. The others tried to go back, but then they also died. And then the diet at Den 4, which is clearly the ones who lasted the longest. Yeah, obviously. And they're also the ones who had all of the wounds and the injuries. Right. None of the other. So important to mention. Yes. No one else that they found had any internal or external injuries. So to me, they all kind of congregate by this fire. The Yuri's died of hypothermia. Maybe the others decide that they want to try to go back to the tent for something to see if it's okay. The Dyatlov 4 stay by the fire, and then KGB soldiers approach the fire because if they made a fire, they could see that the fire in, you know? I'm so excited. So they they go to them. They find the Dyatlov 4. They chase them into this ravine or whatever, or they try to make a shelter, and then they find them and beat the shit out of them or who knows maybe they even stumbled upon another explosion and that's how their injuries happened
1: i love this
2: but i'm definitely going to go kgb military experiment all of the way
1: i fully 100 percent agree with you with one slight addendum Mm -hmm. i think that they all did huddle around this fire yeah and they were, like, chilling, whatever, right, for warmth. Yeah. Um, they definitely ran out super fast because they had to. I love this theory that the horizontal cuts mm-hmm. are peepholes. So yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I didn't see that anywhere. This is just us talking. Yeah. I love that theory. Yeah. It makes total sense. It's at the top of the tent. It's very small, horizontal cuts. Mm-hmm. Totally reads peephole to me. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. If you um, heard something or felt something, you would, would want to look first. Absolutely. Before you run outside. Yeah. And then they see something super spooky and they run, right? Yeah. So they're running into the woods by this big cedar tree. They're all, you know, maybe it's a couple hours later or something. They start a fire because they're getting cold because they're all super naked, just yeah. wearing um, Corona light swim shorts yeah um i mean they were looking for the hot tub the, well yeah obviously but they couldn't find it so whatever so they had to make their own hot tub which was just a fire so they start this fire there one of them climbs up this tree he's looking to see what he can see nothing mm-hmm. um maybe four of them
2: they split up right i love the whole theory horror movie style they split up i love that some of them i love yeah i love the fact that probably the two yuris died and then they were like this isn't enough cover. We need to make shelter. So the four of them went to make shelter while the other ones went back to the tent to Maybe. try to get their stuff. Yes.
1: Yes. I love it so much. Or mm-hmm. four of, like, the four went in one direction that they thought was possibly towards the tent. The yeah. Three went in the other direction, possibly towards the tent. Mm-hmm. They got mixed up. Two, uh, like, one group went south. Or down towards this ravine, the other went mm-hmm. high up to the the tent itself mm-hmm. or towards it. The two Urias were chilling like at base camp, new base camp. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were all supposed to meet back there. I
2: definitely agree with you that the four in the diet love den lasted the longest. They, they had. They were the ones with the most clothing, so they... Makes Witness sense. the rest of them dying because they took off their clothes.
1: Right. And they felt that they couldn't go back to the tent for some reason. Yeah.
2: That's and that's another big part too, is uh-huh. that they felt that they couldn't go back to the tent.
1: Which is why they made this den, mm-hmm.
2: the survival den.
1: Mm-hmm. And then someone stumbled upon them. KGB. Yep. Who knows?
2: Yeah. Or aliens. I'll put that out there. Or aliens, yeah. Uh, aliens is my second favorite thing. I
1: know. I'm going KGB ninety eight percent, aliens two percent, nothing yeah. else matters. <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, yeah. I don't love that people died. It's terrible and it's tragic and there's no rhyme or reason and we will never know. We'll never know.
2: We it will never isn't know. Isn't that exciting? Unless a KGB agent on his deathbed officially says this is what happened. No, not going to happen. It, it has to be. If it's if anyone's going to spill the beans about what happened, it's going to be on a deathbed somewhere maybe and i don't know people lie about that shit all the time like how many guys have said that they're the zodiac killer besides ted cruz well it is ted cruz i mean so everyone knows it's Ted
1: Cruz. <laughs> nothing else matters but i mean i guess you're right it only happened what is that 70 years ago yeah it's not that long ago no
2: i'm yeah but actually they probably all be dead by now so it's probably not gonna happen who knows yeah or someone's grandchild is like my grandpa told me this yeah I don't know. Very fun. Interestingly enough, though, the case was recently reopened. What? And we do have some info about that. But when Russia reopened the case, they only took into account three possible things that could have happened. And that was either avalanche, a snow slab, or a hurricane. So right out the gate, they're completely discrediting every other theory right they're going full natural full natural causes causes, they're not related they're not (laughs) going to investigate themselves
1: right internal investigations never turn out facts right we uh should we tease this right now tease it okay so we're going to talk about a little bit more about this on our Patreon. We started a Patreon, guys. And it's finally live. We've been talking about it for 85 years. Yeah. And we're out. It's out in 2021. This is our baby. We're going to name yeah. our Patreon Sasha. Yeah. So go visit Sasha on patreon.com slash quite unusual podcast. I do not know if that is what it is, so please do not believe that.
2: Just search it on the Patreon because <laughs> I do not know what it is. Just go on Patreon.com and search quite unusual.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna have some additional information about this reopening of the yeah, case. A little
2: bonus episode. Maybe
1: uh we fall in a conspiracy cavern on this one.
2: Yeah. I mean I think the Patreon part of it is where you're gonna get we're really gonna get into like our conspiracy corner we let me just lay it out
1: for you let me set the scene close your eyes picture it okay two women sitting in the <laughs> attic we're just we're surrounded by lights christmas lights we're drinking so much tequila mm. we're already two shots deep if tequila, you want to be honest champagne. right now um tequila, um, um we're full of shamquila. we're Whiskey. just riffing on Possible explanations on how all these people died. And also, yeah. we're going to talk about how it is now considered bad luck to traverse Diet Love Pass with nine people. Dun dun. So if you want to hang out on our Patreon, come hang out with us because we're going to yeah, come hang chat, out. And we're going to chat and we're going to drink shamquila And we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk
2: about this and we're going to talk about that
1: yeah so join us there do you have anything else for this episode
2: that's all i have to say i mean i have so much more to
1: say but that's all i have to say <laughs> well join us we are trying to think of a
2: name for our after show yeah. for the
1: episodes so we haven't
2: come up with anything yet, no though. we're
1: trying we were workshopping and it got us nowhere. nowhere so if you
2: can think of a cool name let us know yeah um the quite unusual after show doesn't sound very good, so come up with something spooky and creepy and us, if you can. That's right. Shoot us a DM. Ooh, slippery slide into our DM. Slide.
1: I have a listener mail. Oh. I would love to read, if you have a time. Please do. If you aren't too busy, Let, let me check my schedule. Oh,
2: yes, I believe I do have
1: time. Oh,
2: fantastic let me read it for you now hit me with the listener mail please okay shall we
1: (laughs) this listener mail comes from our sweet sweet listener and very good friend sabrina hi Hi, sabrina hi sabrina she says hello ladies she continues first of all thank you for this podcast i have had quite a few eye surgeries this year and a lot of boring days Uh so you both have helped me through it Thank you for always taking the time to chat with me about weird stuff when I slippery slide into those DMs. (laughs) Yes. Really, okay, just an aside here. This is Noelle speaking right now, not Sabs. Um, We chat constantly. Mm -hmm. If you DM us, we will talk with you nonstop for hours and hours. So don't feel weird about it. It's just us. Hit us up. We're going, not famous,
2: so we have the time to talk to you. I don't have a fucking job.
1: <laughs> so all I have is time. And yeah, anyways. So she continues. Anyways, here's a story for you. It's not super long, but it's interesting. And it happened to me. Ooh. So I worked at a coffee shop in a small town forever. We had our regulars and one was an older woman named Cindy. She was nice cackled like a witch love it it was kind of shaped like the monster that says mike wazowski i'm always watching you (laughs) you know the monster from monster yeah i have that in my head immediately (laughs) yeah for sure she was harmless not all there but she would tell me things like quote my smile lit up the room and she loved to hear me laugh (laughs) so i liked her One day she comes in all excited. It's my birthday. And I say, no way, Cindy. That's awesome. Happy birthday. What did you do? She tells me she went and she got breakfast and then she went to the casino. Nothing big. Mm, Nice. I offered to buy her a coffee, anything she wanted. She got a chai, I'm pretty sure. Nice. Favorite of mine. My best friend was working the shift with me, and we had closed, and she comes to the back, and she's like, hey, something's up out front. I look outside, and there are several police cars and police officers talking to Cindy. I go unlock the door and tell them that I have a number to call to get her a ride home. But before I could, he shooed me away. They take Cindy, and they arrest her, put her in the car, and they drive away. Oh, no. Come to find hours later that she had shot her (gasps) son-in-law after years of abuse and then celebrated the rest of her birthday. Hell yeah, Cindy! Didn't see that coming at all. (laughs) She was so kind and so sweet, but I could tell she was a bit neglected by her family. But I was young and I did what I could. But damn, Cindy! I'll attach an article so that you can totally use my name. Ha, 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 <laughs> But I guess I bought a murder a drink. So. That's amazing. I bought you guys one, too. Smiley face. Aww. Celebrate the strange and keep it unusual. Sabrina. P.S. Hashtag. Fuck Donald Trump. Yes. And our sweet Sabrina included a link to this yes, article about Cindy. And I figured out. Based on the date that it was published, this woman's 50 years old, and she's an Aquarius. Her birthday, February. (laughs) It says that she got 50 years to life in the murder. (sighs) I know. Damn. Oh, I'm sorry. She's 65 years old. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. She got 50 years. Um, Wow. So, yeah. How fun is that? Congrats to Cynthia for killing your son-in-law.
2: It sounds like he deserved it. He probably did. To be honest. This is, I think one of my favorite <laughs> listener wars
1: it's amazing ever it's amazing sabrina thank you so so much for <laughs> writing to us um also thank you so so much we bought like a thousand bottles of champagne yeah we stocked up hard with the drinks that you sent us we did so thank you you are carrying us into 2021 yeah we love dming you you're so so super sweet thanks for supporting the pod if anyone else has a story like Sabrina's, it doesn't have to be as super cool and murdery. But anything Bones else. As it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You get like 10 extra credit points. Um, if you want to tell us a cool story, if you have a weird story, if you just want to pop and say hi, you can email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. You can always, always. Slippery slide into our DMs. Please do it and i don't know hit us up on the social means we are on instagram facebook twitter myspace (laughs) also we're on parlor now so be sure to check us out there on parlor who isn't on parlor it reaches the far reaches outside of the (laughs) free speech jail and it will never ever touch us and we are there with our lord and savior free speech That's right. No, we're not on
2: parlor. No, fuck Also, it's
1: fucking pronounced Parlay. Can we be honest right now? It it makes me so angry.
2: (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. I feel angry. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us. We like to see if you like us. And even if you don't like us, actually. Constructive criticism, shoot it our way. Yeah, who cares? Give us what you think we deserve.
1: (laughs) Also, if you... If you write us a review, a review, I will send you some stickies and a love note. I'll even kiss it. Mm. And remember, Patreon. So check that out. And that's live. And also, if you want to buy us a drink, because honestly. Oh, yes. Buy us a drink. I'm just going to plug that real quick. Oh, just real quick. You can do that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just buy us a drink, please. We're so thirsty. <laughs> also, it's a fucking rough year. We're nine days in, and I am done. I'm done.
2: There's a lot. Yeah we also have merch we've had merch it's on our link tree if you click on the link in our bio on instagram i believe it's also on facebook we have a little link tree and there's a little merch section so if you want to represent us and help market us to other people <laughs> i guess so i
1: don't know maybe just buy the merch buy some merch do what you want also elizabeth's i don't know no one has money do you have me i'll send you a freaking coupon code just do it. Just yeah. DM me, Noel. Send you a coupon. I account. want a coupon code, and I will give you money off of we'll our give you merch.
2: Some, some money off.
1: Yeah. Who cares? Twenty
2: twenty one. Nothing matters. It's everyone's year. It's no one's year. It's no one's year, and it's everyone's year. I don't care. I don't care either. Nothing matters, and we're all dying. So <laughs> remember to celebrate the strange, and if you have time, keep it
1: unusual. Bye. Bye.